Welcome to Make It Count, Living a Legacy Life, where we invest in what matters, God and people. I'm Sue Donaldson, speaker, author, and creator of WelcomeHeart.com, where you can learn to know and show the heart of God. And that's what counts. Thank you for joining me. Good morning. Today we're talking a little bit about hospitality. You know, there's been so much... Uh, talk and hard lessons and um, protests and lots of things done in the name of um, inclusivity. And you know what? That's what God is all about. His hospitality includes everybody. He invites everyone to his table. And I was reading in John 4, and in John 4, that's when Jesus talks to the woman at the well, and if there's anyone who felt excluded, excluded, that would be the woman at the well. She was Samaritan, and she was a woman, and here she was talking to a man, and she went out to get water at a certain time of day when no one else was there because she felt excluded. Hospitality involves two main factors, the host and the guest, or the guests. It also involves some initiative by one or the other, and it's usually the host, though not always. My friend Grace used to knock on my door about four o'clock in the afternoon, not waiting for an answer. She would come right in, looked for anyone, and yelled out, Yoo-hoo! Should I put the tea kettle on? She already felt at home in my house, and I missed that late afternoon surprise visit because they moved out of the area. Speaking of tea, hospitality usually involves some sort of provision whether it be something to drink, a snack, a full meal, or just a listening ear. Once when my friend Debbie was a little blue about something and I was stressed about the condition of my understairs closet, she came over. We talked through her problems and we sorted through my problems. Both of our needs were provided for and we didn't have to pay a therapist or a professional organizer and we had tuna sandwiches afterwards. That's hospitality too. John 4 verses 1 through 3 is one long sentence in the Greek. The sudden popularity of Jesus was coming to the Pharisees' attention. Jesus knew God's timetable, and it wasn't time for him to get too much negative publicity or any kind of publicity. So he and his disciples left Judea and headed north to Galilee. Verse 4 states that Jesus had to go through Samaria. The disciples were probably wondering just why they had to go that route. But Jesus had God's agenda on his mind and heart, and it had to do with the guests that were to be welcomed to his table. As you may know, Rahab's story in the Old Testament, she was invited to God's table, and she was a prostitute. God is no respecter of persons. The invitation to his table is all-inclusive. He invites the outcast and the lowly, as well as the rich and the privileged. Jesus knew he had an appointment with a woman that would lead to a great harvest of believers. And it just happened to be in Samaria, which was a place hated by the Jews. God wanted to show the Jews and the world and us that salvation through his son was to be for all people, even women, even the hated Samaritan race. And it started with the now famous woman at the well. She probably thought that day when she woke up, I'm, she never thought that she was going to be this famous woman. And yet now we get to read about her and talk about her and see what God did 
in her life. I imagine Jesus wanted to teach his disciples firsthand just what it meant that he was the savior of the whole world, and they got a very vivid lesson. Most Jews went out of their way to avoid Samaria. Jesus went straight through, and he got tired and thirsty at just the right time of day when a lonely woman would be making her way to the well so she could find the living water that she was thirsting for and she didn't even know she was thirsting for. Two lessons on hospitality here. Sometimes we have to do the non-expected thing, to be the non-conformist, maybe even get criticized, go out of our comfort zone to make sure that everyone knows that Jesus died for them. We all have people in our world that we are comfortable with and then there are those that we aren't so comfortable with. God has invited the world. We need to ask him, is this person's invitation to God's table supposed to come through me? Are we willing, as Jesus was, to ask whomever God puts in our path and on our hearts? And will we rely on him to help us do just that, to maybe even this week to go out of our way to present a cup of cold water to a needy person in Jesus' name. Needy persons aren't always dressed in rags, as you know. The other day, um, a homeless man asked me for, for something, I think for money, as I was leaving CVS. And I shook my head gently, and then I thought, hmm, well, I did get a sale. <laughs> I had an abundance of raisin bran in my cart, and I turned to him and again, and I said, would you like some cereal? And he said, yes. So I said, this is my husband's favorite. Here's one for you. So he got Raisin Bran Crunch. It wasn't much and it wasn't living water. And I wondered uh, what else I could have done, but that's what I did. Nicodemus was a wealthy ruler and he was not dressed in rags, but he still needed to be born again. So we need to keep our eyes and our ears open. A second lesson on hospitality is this. We can trust God's timing in all things to get his work done in his way and for his glory. So the first lesson, sometimes we have to do the non-expected, non-conformist thing. And the second lesson is we can trust God's timing in all things. Now, Jesus knew it was time to get out of Judea. He didn't grouse about it. He didn't complain. He, he wasn't worried about the Pharisees. He took it in stride and he used the opportunity to help a needy soul. Actually, a whole village. Now, if I heard that people like the Pharisees were getting riled up, I might get uptight. I'm sure I would actually, or try to work things out for my advantage. I may feel like I'm not ready to be moved. And if I decide that I have to anyway, I certainly might like to take the more comfortable route. I think Americans, or I should just say, I worship at the altar of comfort. I like to know what's going to happen next. So I also worship at the altar of control. And I like to know just how much time I have to make something happen. We have a God who sees the big picture and we forget that when we run around and race around trying to get everything done. We need to remember that we need to be women of faith and relax when things do not seem to go as planned. And believe me, I've had many opportunities to experience that. We women are planners. We like to have all of our ducks in a row 
to make sure we have enough food, to make sure the ducks don't quack at the wrong time, that the kids behave, that the guests don't stay too late, and that our husbands don't fall asleep. But God says, listen to me. I want to invite the world to myself. Why don't you ask that person today, and I will take care of the details. And he does. Next time the unexpected happens, or plans change at the last minute, it might be fun to see who God brings our way. And let's honor him with our trust. He will work it out. He's the ultimate host. And he knows what our guests really need. Jesus asked this woman for a cup of water, if you remember the story. He started with the literal and presented to her the gift of his own need. He was tired and thirsty, and she could help. But his request for water was simply a segue to opening a more important conversation regarding living water. Of course, she was shocked he would address her or drink from her cup. A Samaritan woman, according to rabbinic law, was considered to be always menstruating, always on her period. No wonder she acted a little irritated at first. Thus, she was considered unclean. So if a Jew drank from her cup, he too would become ceremonially unclean. But Jesus was far above the distinctions of man. She was a bitter woman. She said, you Jews only talk to us if there is something you need from us. The fact that the disciples were willing to go to the village to get food showed that she might be right. They didn't really like being in Samaria, Samaria but they were hungry, so they would go down to the village. And that's where they were when Jesus was talking to this woman. His response to her raised more questions than it answered, and we're not sure he ever got his cup of water. Jesus pointed out to her that she was ignorant of three important facts, who he was, what he had to offer, and how she could receive it. He said to her in verse 10, John 4, If you only knew the gift of God and who I am, you would ask him for living water. Let me ask you today, do you know the gift of God? If Jesus would have said that to you, would you know what he is talking about? Jesus said that if we knew the gift of God, we would ask him for it. We might nod our heads, yes, we do know the gift of God. But the answer yes assumes we have known him to be so, not just in our heads, but that we have known him in our hearts, that we have seen his life-giving water, have drunk at its depths, and found our thirst satisfied. Do we live like this is so? I think I don't, not every day, not every moment of every day. I believe it, but I don't always live like I believe it. Here's another lesson in hospitality. Drink first so that you know what God has to offer to your guests. Do you know Jesus as the only one who can fill all those holes in your soul? If not, it's difficult to bring another to his table. They won't see what he offers until we know the gift of God for ourselves. You've heard me say, ministry is spillage. Are we so filled up with the Lord that he automatically spills over onto the people in your life? We read in that beautiful psalm, Psalm 36, about feasting on the abundance of God and drinking from the river of delights. 
we don't need to wait until the next women's retreat to do that kind of feasting, although that is a great place to get the abundance. Jesus said if we knew the gift of God, we would ask. Let's ask him today and every day. Lord, you are my river of delight. Help me linger and drink my fill so that your life spills over onto those at my table and in my life. Isaiah 55.1 is a famous invitation. Everyone who is thirsty, come to the water. Even if you have no money, you can come. Stop drinking at empty wells. They will never satisfy. Do we waste our time drinking at broken wells that never satisfy? I imagine that all of us do that at different times. We may not do so on a regular basis, but we all know people who do. There was a banner in front of a car dealership that read, Can't buy happiness? Then try leasing it. Pretty funny. Everyone knows in their heads that they can't buy happiness, but they go ahead and try because it's all they know what to do. And leasing makes it even more temporary. Jesus said to her, if you knew the gift of God. If we know God's gift, isn't it our responsibility to let others know that same gift? That's hospitality. Note this, who told the people in the women's village about Christ? The woman or the disciples? The woman did. Yet the disciples were already down there buying food. They knew God's gift first, but the woman shared it first. Have you shared it lately? Or do we just let the new excited Christians share it? People in poverty think that if they only had more money, they would be happy. People who are wealthy think if they only had more money and more things, they would be happy or more experiences. But all these things never make us altogether satisfied apart from Christ. God set it up that way. The spiritually thirsty don't always recognize their own need. It's not a new problem. We know that King Solomon built bigger and bigger palaces. He made about $16 million a year. And at the end of his life, he wrote that all of it was in vain. He lived long enough to write about it so we could learn his lesson. Only the honest person and maybe the depressed person will admit that there must be more to life than what the world has to offer. Two huge contrasts of earthly benefits and God's living water are, one, broken wells that don't ever fill you up, and two, broken wells that don't last forever. If you offer people God's gift and they refuse, they will just spend more time drinking at more wells that will not satisfy. Solomon knew about God's gift early in his life and then went off on an unsatisfying quest to quench his own thirst at broken cisterns or wells. Another lesson in hospitality, God is the giver of living water. We don't have to have all the answers to our friends' problems. We just offer his water. They choose to drink or not. We just need to be a clear, flowing channel of his grace and mercy. And the more consistently we drink, the clearer our channel. Sometimes I just say, after listening to a person's problems, can I pray for you? And they always say yes. 
Here, Christ knows exactly the kind of life this woman was leading. And he let her know that he knew, so that she could see how much she needed him. She had been drinking at the broken well of relationships for many years. She had had five husbands, and she was currently living with a man who was not her husband. So she had tried many, many times to find satisfaction in a close relationship. Christ knew her need. He knew that about her. That's what's so great about relating with a sovereign God. He knows everything about us, so we might as well be honest. God knows my need, and he knows your need. Sometimes we don't even realize what it is. It can be painful to face it and process it, embarrassing even, as it must have been for this woman. We see how quickly she changed the subject. Yet once we realize how great our need is, we can accept God's gift and be filled. On the surface, this looks like it's the woman's hospitality to Jesus. After all, he asked her for a cup of water. But it quickly switches to God's hospitality to her. This is your invitation, woman, and it's the invitation of a lifetime. This goes to show that even if I am the guest at someone's home, I can offer the living water Jesus has to offer. He turned it around rather quickly, didn't he? And there is a certain interchangeability of hospitality. God welcomes us, and we welcome him into our lives. God is the ultimate host. He initiated the relationship by creating us. He welcomed us back in John 3:16 by sending his son. And at the same time we play host to him, he knocks on our door, it says in Revelation. We welcome him in. We invite him into our lives, every corner of our lives. We say, Lord, make yourself at home in us. We are at your service. If he wants a glass of water or whatever he wants, we don't ask questions. We just do it. Here was a woman given an opportunity to give a cup of water literally to our Lord and Savior, but she was blinded by her own needs. Isn't that the case with us at times? We are concentrating on how our needs aren't getting met. We may be scurrying around making sure they do get met even if it means trampling on others. And in this self-focus, we don't listen to our master's request. Sue, you need to be given, giving this person a cup of cold water in my name, and you aren't listening. Let me take care of you. I find it very hard to feed his sheep or water his little lambs when I'm feeling sorry for myself for one reason or another. When this woman finally realized that God could meet her need, her every need, forever and ever, she ran to spread the word, watering others all along the way. Without her jar, she left it there. She needed to drink first of his water before she could understand how great it was to serve her master. Come to the living water today and get your real needs met. You may not even know what they are, but you don't need to worry about that. God will show you. Then you'll be ready to offer Jesus to someone he brings your way. Were you reminded today of how God's offered you his wonderful hospitality? Or maybe he's prompting you to do some hosting for heaven's sake. I'd love to hear about it. If so, feel free to leave a comment or a question in the show notes.
and have a wonderful heavenly hosting day. Until next time, think about your legacy, the one God has called you to live, all for heaven's sake. I would love to speak at your next Christian Women's event. See my keynotes and retreat series, as well as the show notes from today's broadcast at welcomeheart.com. Thanks for coming. You're always welcome here.